so we are so excited today. We are here together because we're experiencing Fan X tomorrow. It's going to be so fun. So we had to make a bunch of fun videos. And uh, so this is, we're filming this on the 18th of April. Yes. And I'm Rachel, and of course, this is Larry from LC Screen Talk. And we are here to talk about the first sort of quarter yes. of the movie year. Almost third, really. This is the, the only yes. April release really left is Endgame yes. that we haven't seen. And so we're talking about the highs, the lows, the surprises, the disappointments, mm -hmm. all that fun stuff of the year so far. Yes. And so let's start off positive. Okay. How do we do that? <laughs> Our favorite films of the year so far, and I'm not including the Sundance films that I saw that haven't been released yet. Okay. If they've been released, then I count it. Uh, so uh, what is your number one on your list? So my number one I know is much lower on your personal list, mm -hmm. but it has yet to be dethroned. We'll see if Endgame can get the job done, but still in and number one for me personally is How to Train Your Dragon, The mm -hmm. Hitter World. I, I just loved the movie. I thought it was pretty much everything I was hoping for from this conclusion. Obviously, that ending was just like, oh, God, it was so hard. Like, heart-wrenching, but yet still happy. Like So I thought they did a great job of balancing that. Toothless is great, and I personally loved the, like, romance. What? When it's with dragons, I guess I'm okay with it. <laughs> but I loved the like romantic subplot between Toothless and the Light Fury that was both funny and endearing and really sweet. Yeah. And then seeing Hiccup kind of go on his own personal journey was really great as well. I do acknowledge that I do think um, Astrid is a little bit undercut as is his mom in the roles that they're given in this film. The mom almost doesn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when she had such a, you know, she was such a fighter in that second film, that was basically her character. Mm -hmm. So um, Astrid has her own role to kind of play, but it's very much, quite literally, a supportive role to pick up in his lesson. But I thought the villain was strong. I thought the new dragons we received were beautiful. Oh, some of those dragon designs were so cool. The, like, iridescent look to their scales was amazing. The animation was beautiful. Like, when we went into the hidden world, I was, like, awestruck. Oh, yeah. It was so gorgeous. And then this original score. I mean, every single score mm -hmm. from this series has been top-notch, and they concluded with yet another one. So I love it, personally, and it's still my favorite film of 2019 so far. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I definitely gave it fresh. <laughs> uh, and I, I like all those things that you said. Mm -hmm. I I guess the, the reason why it's not in my top three is just because I, some of the action got a little long with, for me, uh, but that's just me being worried about action scenes, <laughs> probably. And then also, I thought that the uh, girl that's sort of taunting the, oh. the captors... <laughs> She was sort of annoying to me. Uh, the she was a big character. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't. I forget my, if she's not a rat. I forget. Um, yeah, she wasn't my favorite. But overall, I, I think it's it's really strong. I wish there had been more flying too. I love flying scenes in that series. <laughs> it's so beautiful. So I I can see why that's your number one. So my number one so far this year is the Mustang. And this movie, I think, did such an incredible job. Matthias Schoenhart, if I said that right, um, is great in this role because he is so rage-filled. Like, he's such an angry person. And you start to sort of see as the movie goes on, 
why he's so angry, why he's so bitter. And as he works with this horse, that's also very angry and very wild. And, and sort of like their journeys kind of mimic each other in a way. And I thought the ending was so satisfying. What happens with the horse was great. And you get Bruce Dern and what has got to be one of his last roles. He was great as this sort of head of this prison. And I, I just really was invested in this really angry character, which I think takes a lot uh, of really good performance, really good writing to have a, a role like that. And so it was a very good movie. No, I completely agree. Yeah. So that's my number one. What's your number two? So for number two, I have us. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking maybe this one could challenge how to train your dragon as my number one top pick, but it did, especially upon rewatch, come in just under. But I loved most everything about us. First of all, Lupita Nyong'o is so good. Oh, her performance is amazing. As both characters, she delivers just everything you needed her to deliver, and maybe even more. Um, especially when you go back and rewatch it, I think her character and the decisions she makes with that character are just really, really strong. But our entire cast, I thought, was really good. We had some really strong child actors working in this film as well. And uh, Winston Duke was really fun in the role. He didn't quite give a powerhouse performance like Lupita, but he was still bringing a lot of levity to the film uh, and some of the tougher moments. Plus, oh, talk about sound design. The sound design of this movie is probably perfect. (laughs) I can't think of a single scene where the sound was anything but perfect from the score to the way they utilized it to the, everything about it was so amazing and i think the allegory really worked for me about society and what the film has to say i guess i took the film a little bit less in a liberal sense than others and that's why i don't quite have the problems in logic that i know many people do which is a, definitely a fair criticism uh, when it comes to like plot holes or logical fallacy, especially Mm -hmm. with the twist and the end and these people. Um, But I didn't take it literally, and I took it much more metaphorically, um, so I I was okay with those. But I thought it was creepy. I thought it delivered the tension, it delivered the scares, and it kept me thinking long after I saw it, Mm -hmm. in particular that first time, and it's definitely stayed with me. So my second favorite film so far. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely another one that was fresh for me. I, I particularly, I had more fun with it when it was kind of more comedy and they were kind of, you know, beating the zombies and that. <laughs> like, I like that kind of thing better than the existential part. And I didn't really, I guess, understand what he was trying to say. Like, I wanted to like it on a metaphorical level, yeah. but because I didn't really get it, and maybe I'm just dumb, I, but I didn't understand the point he was trying to make. And I, I just was left kind of baffled. And so, so the ending didn't really work for me, but I still thought as a whole, the good outweighed the bad. So it was definitely fresh for me. Um, I agree with the performances. I, I really liked it. I kind of wish it could just stay sort of a fun, goofy zombie horror movie for me. I think it would have been <laughs> better, but uh, he got a little too sort of big for his britches, in my opinion, in that last act. That's my feeling. So and I think we both can agree. It doesn't pull off its messaging as effectively as Get Out did uh, no. its debut feature. For sure, for sure. So my number two is just purely, I know it has its flaws, but <laughs> it just made me laugh 
was, isn't it romantic? I was so excited going into it. I was in a theater that everybody was primed. Everybody was in for it. Everybody was laughing and we were all laughing together. And, and you saw when I showed you that clip of a Hallmark movie that you're like, wow, they really <laughs> did like mimic what in this movie, the, the, the speed, yeah, right. The, the setting was <laughs> identical. Yeah. yeah it really was. And so I think that's why it was so particularly funny to me because it was making fun of something that's literally the walk and talk and the everyday of my life. And I just thought little things were so hilarious. Like when uh, she, her, her friend, her assistant uh, is a good friend starting out. And, uh, and then when she goes into the romantic world, it's her mortal enemy. <laughs> I, I thought that was so funny. Such a funny uh, little jab at Devil Wears Prada. It's definitely yeah. Emily Blunt in there. There were lots of, a lot of people I think get annoyed by uh, Easter eggs in movies, mm -hmm. you know, that I don't understand why. I think that's <laughs> fun. I don't get it why they don't like it, but I liked it. I thought it was cool that there were many outfits of hers that were, there were supposedly over like 125 something references within the movie wow. to various romantic comedies. Like even her clothes, her opening outfit is right from, she leaves the hospital, is right from Pretty Women. <laughs> and I, I just think that's fun to me. That's enjoyable. And like when she would wake up and see this like handsome doctor and she's like, oh, what's going on? And that was funny to me. And I, I just really enjoyed it. And I think that her and Adam Devine have, have good chemistry. They've worked together before. And so I was able to buy that enough to still enjoy it. And I love like every time she tries to swear there's the one of the, the, the like bust yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I really that's a joke that just kills it for me. I love that. It. It's so funny. And uh she's like, it's PG 13. It was so funny. And <laughs> even her dog has changed. Yeah. And and that was funny. And she's like, she's calling down one. She's like, they took all my stuff and replaced it with nicer stuff. <laughs> I just love the other one. So you're telling me your house is too big and you have too many clothes for your pocket. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Like, girl. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> so I just thought it was really, really fun. I've actually seen it twice. It's one of the only movies this year I've seen twice. Oh. So there you go. That's my number two. So both of my top two are definitely repeat viewing for me as well yeah. so far this year. For Isn't It Romantic, I think there's a lot to really have fun with in yeah. the film. I think Liam Hemsworth continues to show that it's not just a pretty face and yeah. nice body. He's really funny, really down to the whole joke of it all. And I thought him and Herbal Wilson were funny together. Yeah. Um, I thought it got a little bit repetitive in, in the joke um, for, for me personally. I didn't think it quite pulled off the romance it was trying to pull off. But overall, I mean, it's nowhere near worst of the year. Yeah. I thought it was fun. It was funny for what it was. And it Which was is basically for you. Through. Like, if you, if you <laughs> found a watch with you, usually don't yeah. like. So I think that says something. Yeah. What do you have? Uh, what's your number two? So my, oh, my number three. A three. So in at number oh, three. Oh, right, right, right. right. Sorry. <laughs> so in at number three for me, I have the Mustangs. We yeah. have one, uh, one same pick it's in so our good. top three. It's so good. <laughs> but I thought the movie was so good. It was so well executed. Yeah. And I think it's the parallel between the horse and the man and their growth together as they move through the movie mm -hmm. that is just so well done that it really spoke to me. I, I really connected with film on a lot of levels. And as she said, that's such a feat because this character 
near killed someone uh, in a bit of a rage, as we find out as we move through the movie. That's why he's in prison. And as you continue to just like peel back these layers, we see him get violently angry several times throughout the film, but yet you're still endeared by this character, yet he's still so empathetic and draws you in. Matthias Schoenars is so excited in this movie. And honestly, probably right up there with Lupita Nyong'o, his performance is one of my top acting performances of the year. I really think it's stellar work. Um, and then, the horse program, I didn't really know. And I'm from Colorado, and Colorado's one of the states who still does it. Uh, <laughs> it was very interesting to learn about that horse program. Though I'm a little bit conflicted overall on what they showed in this film and what goes on there, but it still is a positive program for these inmates. And I thought the ending was still very realistic to, to a high degree. Yeah. And I was so scared. Satisfying. I was so scared it was going to end differently. Yeah. They, they definitely I, lead you to like this. Yes. But then they pull it back into a more realistic ending. And yeah. you're like, okay, okay, I'm on board with this. Realistic, but really redemptive. But really, but for, yeah. both, for both the horse and the man, they both get like this redemption arc. Everything doesn't go as expected. He's like really hoping for a family moment. And those family moments aren't always going to come. And I think that a lot of times when we have those, these type of films, I love to see them rooted in that more realistic grit. So The Mustang was great. It's really falling in line. I thought we had two really strong horse-related films last year. So to follow that up this year with another really strong horse-related film, yeah. they're on a roll. And this one was one. You're an indie director. Yeah, yeah horse. Yeah, and if you are someone looking for something to watch, I definitely recommend you seek this out. It's a small film. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Not a lot of people are seeing it. So seek it out. Give it your support because it definitely deserves it. Definitely agree. So my number three is uh, the uh, Penguin Highway, it's called. Oh. This is an anime film <laughs> that, uh, that is really, really interesting. Uh, it's about this kid. He's 10, I think, okay. 10 or 11, and he starts in their town. All of a sudden, there's these, all of a sudden, the appearance of all of these penguins. And that's not where they normally ha habitate, is these penguins. And, and there starts to be kind of this, the, he starts to investigate it's the mystery of what, what these penguins are, where are they coming, and it gets pretty, it gets a little bit sci-fi. It reminded me a lot of, of Stranger Things. Uh, and uh, in in the sense of these this kid kind of there's this mystery to it. These kids kind of investigating the, the paranormal, the science fiction, the kind of a thing. And there's this uh, there's this woman who is kind of tied to the penguins, and sort of similar in Stranger Things. There's this character named Eleven, okay, who yeah. is this 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 girl. Um, and, uh, and so it's kind of similar in that way. And I found it really sweet and funny and and moving and uh, beautifully animated. It's it's a good mystery, I think. And the only downside to it is sort of I think that they should have had the female character be like eleven and be the same age as the boy. It's sort of weird because she's like a female character and he's like very kind of <laughs> like a, a ten year old kid would would be kind of fixated yeah. sometimes on. 
like a woman's breasts or a woman's like kind of, he sort of he sort of is kind of like oh, okay. a little bit a little bit you know <laughs> yes and uh and also there's sort of some weird hints that they're like somehow gonna end up together which is oh, like weird oh, no, no. So, but, but it's a pretty minor part of the movie okay. so i'm able to forgive it but it would have been better if it had been Just somebody there or her nah, she, it, younger yeah if she had been the same age like 11 is a stranger things but if you like science fiction, if you like something that's creative, that surprises you, I, it was very unpredictable to me. I didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, so it's when the, I think something we were supporting Jim. Awesome. That's one yeah. I haven't seen, so I can't comment yeah. on that one. So yeah, so there's lots of good stuff to look out for if you haven't seen any of these films. I, we, I like all your choices, and I like all of my choices, obviously. My choices. <laughs> and so check them out. And now we're going down into the bad ones. We're going to talk about the worst of 2019 so far and so it's pretty <laughs> it's overall been a pretty good year yeah. like there's aside from <laughs> a couple I, I there's been not that many that have made me want to die and <laughs> like most of them i've seen some like i wasn't able to have them be fresh around tomatoes yeah. especially because i'm not including some sundance ones <laughs> if i was be a lot more upset but uh but yeah so it's been a pretty good year yeah i agree yeah. there hasn't been too many that i'm just like oh my goodness mm -hmm. so this list that definitely could have given more um but the, the three year they're pretty bad though yeah. i mean when it was bad so far on this first quarter it was bad yes yeah so it'll be interesting to see what we have on our list so my worst film that's been released so far this year is what men want and i knew that i would hate this movie so maybe it's a little bit unfair i did try to give it a chance but i hate the original <laughs> what women want i think it's so awful and i've hated it ever since i was a teenager i never liked it and uh so i i knew i would like this i was surprised maybe because i didn't watch the red band trailer i didn't know there was a red band trailer i didn't think it would be that hard off <laughs> I, it was definitely i was definitely caught off guard i admit it but i just felt like the problem with the movie was that i felt like she was so entitled and she was she, she felt like she was such a a, a victim and she been persecuted for her race but i didn't think that was fair at all she works for a professional sports agency and she had not gotten a single client from the nba nfl or the, like the NHL NFL, yeah, or nothing NLB. And, uh, yeah and the the, the uh, baseball she didn't got a single one and she was like oh i'm working on some olympic athletes which for this major firm that'd be nothing and so she was mad that she didn't get the promotion, but I didn't think she deserved the promotion. And I don't think the right answer to discrimination is to prop up people who don't deserve, who, <laughs> who haven't worked, you know, who don't deserve. I don't think that's the answer. And so, I don't know, that really annoyed me. I thought that she was very unlikable. She was very rude. I didn't like her attitude at all with this uh, man and her his son. I, and the only thing that's, like redeemed the movie. I love Wendy McClendon Covey. She's hilarious, of course. And I thought that the poker scene was funny. So it's definitely one that I liked a little bit more than yeah. Rachel, but most people have not responded mm. well to it. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. So what about you? What's your worst? Well, my worst film of the year so far is Replicas. Hmm. 
Uh, so this one was starring Keanu Reeves, who is like sci-fi bore fest. I mean, I can't say sci-fi thriller, I can't say sci-fi anything, because it literally was like nothing. Um, the concept is cool in theory and in like essence to what it is that makes you human and really delving into all of that existentialism about souls, so on and so forth. But the movie goes nowhere with it. It doesn't solve its own problem. It seems to actually turn and contradict itself near the end of the film. Keanu Reeves is as bad as I've seen him in a long time in this film. The entire cast actually is terrible. That wife, oh my gosh. And then the script was so bad. The effects like on that robot that they did were horrible. The entire movie, it's just, to have a sci-fi film like this be this utterly just nonsensical and boring, uninteresting, is a crime. So while I maybe got more annoyed at another film coming up on my list, this one just took the cake for being the worst executed I've seen so far this year with not many new sci-fi ideas. And I couldn't even execute those marginally well. So yeah. it's the worst for me. I missed a lot of the turkeys in uh, <laughs> in January. I was just so busy with homework stuff that I I didn't have He's time to go He's to these terrible movies <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> so my second worst is Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase. And I, I just felt like this was a failure in every way. I think that the lead girl is a good actress. I think she does a good job uh, and she is, and she's cute. But other than that, I just thought that I actually thought it was kind of violent for what it was trying to do. Like they're pretty like teenagers in peril and uh, some pretty, pretty tense scenes where you're actually get kind of scared. So I guess <laughs> maybe some people might like that, but I thought it was, I thought it felt very poorly made. It felt very poorly directed. It wasn't an interesting mystery to me. And I I just, I felt like I've seen, we watch all these cozy, cozy mysteries, they're called, and in on Hallmark, uh, where they have, it's kind of like murder, uh, murder she wrote kind of type of mysteries that they have a lot of on Hallmark. And this to me was much worse than any of those. And so if you can't make it on Hallmark, then it should be on the big screen, I'm sorry. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not, I didn't want to die. It's not like the worst thing I've ever seen, but it just was not a successful movie. This is one that kind of came out with near to no publicity. It didn't really get a wide release. I didn't even see box office numbers reported for this film. So I'm assuming it just did yeah. that terribly that it came out on like Blu-ray and DVD just a couple weeks after the theatrical release. So it's, I didn't get a shot yeah. to see it, um, but it's not, I don't think I was missing much. It feels like a TV movie in the bad sense of a TV movie oh, yeah. to me. It's not one of the good TV movies. Uh, so that's my opinion. I would just stick with the Emma Roberts one from a few years back. That was fun, Nintendo, in my opinion. So what do you have at number two? So at number two, I have The Beach Bum. And this film, uh, is has people split. I know people out there in the film verse really enjoyed this film, thought it was good. I really was not with them though. I thought this movie was pretty much terrible. And the fact of the matter is that I, I just didn't laugh. I thought Snoop Dogg was the best person and best actor in this film. That's saying something when you have a cast of like Isla Fisher and 
uh, Matthew McConaughey, Zac Efron, all these actors are in here, and Snoop Dogg, like, outshines them all. <laughs> That's terrible. But the main problem for me really is the lack of message that leads to the film inadvertently giving a pretty terrible message. And it comes across as, you know, be free spirit. You don't have to live within the confines of society and really conform yourself, which is all fine, which is a perfectly okay message to defend. But our characters are terrible people. They are pushing people over in like driving, wheelchairs and stealing their money they're pushing people who are just minding their business on the edges of docks into the ocean for no reason they're ruining their own daughter's lives and ruining their weddings i mean it's outrageous and then they pass it off in the name of genius but the only times we really see matthew mcconaughey's character doing anything within his film it's terrible like within his field of work He's not good. I don't know what genius they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. He's not a genius. He's just a, a yeah. jerk. He's a jerk. And they give him a free pass because he's outside of the norm and he's a beach bum smoking weed and doing all these things. I don't know. I didn't laugh. I thought it was a mess. And honestly, it just like angered me after when I started thinking about what this film did. <laughs> I luckily missed that one, so you warned me against it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my number three isn't a bad film. It's just very forgettable for me, and I just don't feel like it, 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 it is satisfactory as a feature film. I, I think that's why uh, it's this uh, anthology film, uh, anime film called Modest Heroes, and it's put out by the same people who did when Marnie was there uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, they, they didn't have enough money to do a full feature so they put this together and I, I guess I admire them for that it's when I feel bad because uh, there are there's some nice animation but I just felt like all three of the shorts were just forgettable the best one is the the there's one about a mom trying to help her son who has severe allergies food allergies if she eats if he eats anything particularly with eggs in it he will go into a state of like shock and and uh, her just continual stress about that. But then I thought it ended weird, where it was like, we'll fight this together, and we'll, we'll beat this. And I'm like, that's not the way allergies work. <laughs> like, you don't beat an out. Like, that's not, that doesn't work. You know, it was weird. And I don't know if that was a translation error or whatever. I don't know. But they were going to originally have four shorts as part of it, but then Saito Takahata ended up passing away, so we couldn't contribute the short. And so they ended up like puffing it up with interviews and behind the scenes stuff. And it just wasn't enough to justify, especially a fountain event uh, to take a price. And so I just, it, it's, it's not awful if you watch it on TV over like, oh, that was fine. But uh, it's, 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 it's my, uh, cause it's been a pretty good year. So <laughs> that's where I have it. Uh, I, mean, I have a bunch of other Sundance ones, but they haven't come out yet. That are because uh, some what Sundance Sundance giveth it taketh away. There's <laughs> always some bad ones, but anyway, that's what I have as my bottom three. So I really struggle to fill this third spot because I have two that are pretty close to the running that should be here, but I'm saving one of them for our disappointing video, uh -huh. uh, our disappointment segment. So I'll put that there 
so I can talk about serenity here at the number three spot. So Matthew McConaughey, you find yourself <laughs> here yet again on my bottom three. What are you doing this year? <laughs> oh my gosh, over, like dead, buried, we're six feet under, it's done. Oh my gosh, I don't know what serenity, I give it this, and this is why it's definitely not beneath the other two, is it has an ambition. It is trying to tell this complex story. It is aiming for a deeper meaning, much more than something like Beach Bum, or even Replicas, which did try something, though not original, is going for something. However, we spent a whole lot of time talking about Matthew McConaughey trying to catch this big tuna. And there's a whole lot of Matthew McConaughey aiming for this one tuna. And isn't there quite the <laughs> twist in this movie? So there's a twist, and then the twist ends up making it all just like crazy. I mean, that's what makes it so outrageous that it's almost musty. Like this film is almost musty because it just goes so wild, and the twist is just so out there that you're like, what? Um, Anne Hathaway, uh, okay. That's about all I have to say about that. Um, and then we had, who was it? Jason Clark uh, is also in this film. Uh, he's not good. Uh, just around, Digimon Hansu is in this film. He's okay. Everybody's just, okay, Matthew McConaughey is the best performance, at least, in the film this time around. And the interesting ideas are there, but it's just so off its rocker. It just really shoots for the moon and doesn't get it out of, I mean, even the skyline when it goes for it. So the execution really held this one back, really kind of dug it in, but it's so weird that maybe it'll fall under like cult classic status. I can maybe see that happening, but for me personally, it's still definitely one of the worst films of the year. Yeah, it should be interesting. <laughs> I, I, I'm tempted to, to maybe watch that one when it, <sighs> I get time, but we'll see. Okay, because it sounds bizarre. Yeah. Certainly. So now we're going to talk about the uh, the surprises. Now we're going to talk about the disappointments. So it's going to be really fun. But we're going to talk about movies that surprised us. And I'm not including the movies <laughs> I saw at Sundance that haven't been released yet. Because they they shouldn't count. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about surprises. And uh, what do you have as your first surprise? So my first surprise is going to be the earliest one released in the year, and that is The Kid Who Would Be King. The biggest part of the surprise here was just that the first trailers looked really terrible to me. I was like, oh my, what are we getting now? Why do they have to drag King Arthur through the mud yet again? <laughs> um, well, I say that, but secretly mm -hmm. I liked King Arthur from Divergent. Uh, but <laughs> But this one, I really was like, oh my, these effects, I'm not sure. But it turned out to be a really fun, adventurous family film. We have a really strong performance from our central character. Sir Patrick Stewart is wonderful in his very limited performance, but I still think it had kids at the forefront leading the charge, being the heroes with great messages about that heroship. And it really worked. I thought it was a lot of fun. It's a really action-packed adventure and fantasy for kids. I think this is great for like the 10-year-old range. Our villain, Rebecca Ferguson, I guess you tried, but the, the script did not help you. <laughs> but other than the villain, and of course, some jokes here and there or some things, that, it wasn't a fantastic 
movie. But I was expecting pretty bad, and I got a really fun film overall. So mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised with the kid who would be. Yeah, I missed that one because January was so nuts for me with Sundance and with everything else going on. Uh, but I definitely want to catch up on it. It yeah. sounds really fun. So my one of my biggest surprises so far this season has been was fighting with the, my family. And this, I mean, I do love sports biopics, so I don't know why it was really that surprise, but I could care less about wrestling. It is not interesting to me. I don't have any investment in wrestling. It's not something I'm interested in. And so I didn't really care about her, particularly her journey becoming a WWE wrestling person, but it was about the family that I think really sold it and did a really good job creating this heart. It's obviously, it's a very different kind of family but I liked her journey and, and her sort of, she wants to give up. And I, but I thought it felt pretty authentic. Mm-hmm. And I thought uh, Florence Pugh, I think was the actress, she did a great job. And then her brother was sort of her, dealing with his envy. And I thought he was great. And overall, it just had a ton of heart. And it was, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. I completely agree. That one was a, a shocker for me, too. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So what would you have next on your surprise? So next I have another film aimed at people younger than me. <laughs> and that is Five Feet Apart. So the latest in kids with terminal illnesses falling in love film. <laughs> but this one is much better than the recent ones we've gotten. Yeah. Much better than Everything Everything. Much, much better than Midnight Fun. Uh, so it's definitely one of the shows before you, all of that. I think this is much better than all of those. It has a lot of heart and it really relies on the chemistry of our two leads and they are fantastic. Haley Lou Richardson yes. is just so likable. I think she just beamed off the screen in this film. And Cole Sprouse was also really good in the movie. I haven't seen him much, but I thought it was really funny. It had a lot of heart. I thought their chemistry worked really well. I also really loved the nurse in this film, which is not, it's usually a kind of thankless role, but I thought she had a lot of great moments and I actually thought kind of the plight of a nurse taking care of these kids is a really interesting thing to kind of go through mm-hmm. and what kind of toll that takes. So I enjoyed that they took that. Of course, it falls into some tropes. Of course, we have, you know, teenagers finding mm-hmm. ways to make extravagant dates in these like crazy scenarios with no money and no resources. But it is what it is. It's a fantasy. And I, I thought it was a, a really nice one. Yeah, I agree. I really, I enjoyed it too. It had a ton of heart. It definitely got the feels for yeah. sure. And uh, particularly her gay friend, I thought, was oh, very, yeah. very good, oh very moving. And so, yeah, good pick. That would definitely be a good one. Uh, so my next pick is, uh, is called The Wandering Earth. And this oh. is the biggest movie, one of the biggest moneymakers of the whole uh, world. Chinese movie, it's right? a Chinese movie. Okay. And it's, I just feel like we have lost some of the ability outside of maybe Marvel of telling spectacle entertainment, like truly spectacle, and uh, where it's just big and crazy <laughs> and over the top and fun and dramatic and melodramatic and you know all those things. You haven't been impressed with the box career over the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, this movie is all of those things that I said. It's about this, it's about this group of. Uh, the, they're basically like living in this kind of dystopian future okay. where everything has become so toxic that uh, that 
they have to like live underneath the ground because the sun has been like knocked out. I don't even know. I can't even explain it all. But anyway, and so they're getting like closer and closer. So they developed this crazy scheme that they're going to have, uh, they're going to use like the propulsion of, they're actually going to move the earth through these like satellites. I don't even understand it. I don't even get it. But they're actually going to move the earth closer to Jupiter. Okay. So that it doesn't explode. Okay. And that's, it, it's like, it's very over the top, very basically like chi the Chinese people save the day. <laughs> they save everybody in the world. And, but I thought all the performances were actually really heartfelt. And it was just, I just felt like, I, I love Bahubali. The other, uh, yes. This is not as good as Bahubali, but because Bahubali has the music and it's just even more over the top. I loved it. But I don't know. I just felt like this was a kind of spectacle entertainment that it's kind of Michael Bay done right. Okay. Without the misogyny and the racism and the other problems that Michael Bay does. And it was kind of like a better version of Armageddon kind of. It's okay. loopy and it's ridiculous, but it's also emotional. And, uh, and it, it was like pretty convincing as far as the, the, the distraction and the, this, this production design and other stuff like that, especially when you consider that uh, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a yeah. $200 million budget or whatever. <laughs> and so I, I thought it was just fascinating and interesting to see what another culture's idea of sort of that kind of spectacle entertainment is. So I enjoyed it. I heard of it. I just never got around to, to catching this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. It is long. Oh. So, yes, but it's really good. I liked it. So, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, what do you have at number three? So, for number three, my third biggest surprise of the year is Storm Boy, which oh, yeah. was an Australian little film. So, if you know me at all, you know I'm a sucker for animals. I just love animals. They're a passion of my life. Uh, <laughs> and animal movies, we can be a hit or miss, though. So, recently, I think we've actually been doing a pretty good job with animal movies. I think A Dark Way Home, we both enjoyed yeah. pretty well. But Stormfly tells the story of this little boy, it's an Australian production, and he's obviously from Australia, that tackles the poaching issue of these pelicans on this beach, as well as indigenous people, and then being run off of their land within Australia as well. But really, it's an intimate story about this little boy who finds these eggs and these little chicks and nurses them after their mother has been shot at, by a poacher, and then him really connecting in particular with this one, Mr. Percival is the pelican's name, and so cute. This pelican, I don't know how they train this pelican because he's so expressive and wonderful, <laughs> and the connection is so beautiful. You are constantly just like so endeared to the bird, which is such a more difficult task to really get people to care about a pelican like this. Jai Courtney is maybe the best I've seen him. Uh, usually he does not turn into performance, but here I thought he worked really well. Jeffrey Rush is in this film. He's also very strong. So it's just a really heartwarming movie. It's a throwback to films that we don't see as often anymore. Part of that could be that it is a remake of another Australian film, but I just, I didn't know what really to expect going in. I had mm -hmm. seen the trailer. It looked like it could go either way, be really cheesy or be really heartwarming. And it turned out to be one of the more heartwarming films I've watched out of this year. So I really enjoyed it. That's, I've, I actually have a screener link for that and I've been meaning to watch it. So I'm really <laughs> excited now to watch it. 
All right, so my last one that I wanted to recommend is actually kind of a temper. Right. Uh, it's a little bit of a cheat, but they're very similar movies. Okay. I really like two indie films called, one called To Dust and one called Paddleton. And To Dust is about this man, he's a, I guess a Hasidic Jew, he's an Orthodox Jewish man. And his wife has died and he is very, very, very upset about it. He doesn't have closure and he feels like he, he had this dream of her and he, uh, where he was worried that she wasn't buried correctly. And so she's not going to go to heaven. So she, he's very upset about it. And so he becomes kind of obsessed with the idea of, of decomposing and how she's going to, whether they did it right or what, during the, the customs, you know. And so he reaches out to this biology professor from this community college Led by Matthew Broderick, and they they both they both kind of join together to try to understand decomposition and, uh, and try to understand. So it's just kind of, it's kind of this unlikely friendship, and uh, and I thought both the friend both the performances were really sweet, and I had had a really sweet message. And it does get kind of gross, like they show a lot of things decomposing and stuff. So <laughs> if you have a weak stomach, then it's probably not for you. But I thought that it was very genuine and from the heart, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then Pendleton is also about two male uh, friends, platonic French yeah. friendship. So they're very similar. Um, Pendleton is it's on Netflix, available now. It's about sort of Ray Romano and Mark Duplass, and they've been neighbors in this apartment complex uh, for years and years. They've been friends. They just they get together like every weekend and watch cheesy martial arts films and whatever. Like. <laughs> But they never had to be like really challenges of friendship. It's just always been kind of okay. they've just been there for each other, and uh, and they're you know single men. They're just kind of lonely in their lives. And uh, he uh, he announces that he has cancer. So this is just the initial setup. It's not a spoiler. Anyway, and uh, and he's thinking about possibly taking the the pill that will and soon not go through all that pain. Okay. So that he will end his life. And so they have to kind of go through the process together. They go through the experience together and, you know, trying to make that decision when they're going to, what's, what's he going to do and through the pain. And, and it sounds really a downer, but it's actually quite funny. And they managed to wring some, some humor out of the situation. And the chemistry is really good uh, between these two, two actors, I think. They did a really good job, and it's pretty much just them, the two of them talking almost the whole movie. <laughs> but it really works, and I think it's nice to have two movies especially after Green Book, which was more divisive, but I like the fact that we've had three movies, really, about male friendship, and because uh, it's something I don't think we focus on all that much. Okay. Now, what should I... The one I'm thinking of picking is a slight throw Rachel under the bus. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, I'm going to have that on my disappointment. Go for it. You <laughs> own it. Own it. Damn. So <laughs> reviews had started to kind of take place before I got to see Shazam, but I thought the trailers looked fine. I, I wasn't quite as enamored as it seemed the majority of people were coming out of San Diego Comic Con last year. I was much more focused on like Endgame and more focused on Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Those were the trailers. I was like, yes. <laughs> but so many people were so pumped about the Shazam trailers. I, I continue to be like, well, you know what, Zachary Levi, he's obviously very handsome and very charming, so why not? And Shazam is a character, he's never really done it for me, I, I, I haven't really ever cared much for Shazam or about Shazam, 
But I had a lot of fun. This was so much more than I had anticipated heading into the film. First of all, they really, I know this is one of your negatives, <laughs> but they definitely go darker in the film than I really had anticipated. And overall, I enjoyed the, the moments they went dark. I also thought that the film was very funny. It was right in my wheelhouse of taste. Zachary Levi is perfect casting, which is now I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I also thought that all of our supporting cast, the kids and the foster care that are living with him are all wonderful. And particularly that little girl, the like smallest little sister is so cute and endearing. I loved it. I think that our villain is a little bit weak. Um, his motivations and really Mark Strong, he does fine in the role, but it's just, it's not a lot to work with for him. Mm -hmm. So I definitely didn't anticipate this surpassing Aquaman for me as my number two, um, but it's there. I, I think it is solidly the second best film in the Shazam franchise. I had a blast. I was smiling pretty much the moment it started all the way through to the very end of the film. I loved those post-credit sequences. And that's saying something when it comes to the DCEU because they, they are very hit or miss. But right now, they're on a roll. So it doesn't come close to touching my number one, Wonder Woman, but it still is solidly number two for me, which was quite the shock. There you go. All <laughs> right, so we're gonna talk real quick about our disappointments, <sighs> things that let us down. So, <laughs> the least disappointing, I guess, of these three, I did technically give it a fresh rating on our Tomatoes, but it was barely, barely fresh, just because of the strength of the animation was so beautiful. Okay. It has a very weird name. It's called I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. And I had heard really good things about it, actually, from the anime community, and uh, that, uh, the, that it was a huge crier to be ready. And it's kind of similar to Five Feet Apart. I don't know why I have it ranked higher than Five Feet Apart on my ranking. I need to change that. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, it's, it's kind of similar to, it's in these same okay. genre of, of romances where the, the, in this case is the girl who's sick. She meets this, this guy and she starts to kind of be Manic Pixie Dream Girl for this, for this guy. And I just thought it was so sappy and it was so like, it, and I didn't really like either of these two characters. And so it just wasn't my favorite. And the whole, the whole name is, I guess that's sort of in Japan from what I, I'm no expert, but what I understand is that's like a way of showing empathy and sympathy. Like, I wish I could take what's happening to you and I could, I could, like okay. say, I, I wish I want to eat your, I want to experience what you're experiencing. That's, so that's why and they do explain it in the movie, but, uh, but the animation is very, very beautiful. So it's, it's worth, I guess, watching for that. Uh, and uh, if you kind of want a Faulkner stars kind of movie, uh, it's, it's serviceable, I guess, but it was disappointing to me and it, it wasn't, it wasn't great. I didn't think, for all the hype that I'd heard in the anime community, I didn't think it was that great. It's one I had seen trailers for. I'm pretty sure oh, yeah? it was. Yeah, I did. I think it was before Fathom Events because I went and saw uh, a Pokemon movie and I went and saw uh, Dragon Ball Z. I saw another Fathom uh, Event earlier this year. So I think they were showing uh, yeah. that one as well. And I was very intrigued by that really weird title. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. So maybe it's good that I didn't see it for Fathom prices. Maybe yeah. I'll check it out here soon. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's my, I mean, it's like I said, they did give it a fresh one to me. It's not awful, but it was my favorite. So for me, the like least disappointing is Captive State. So this makes it here because I didn't have like overly high hopes for Captive State. But with the cast, you know, including John Goodman and Vera Farmiga, the kid uh, that plays the teenage, like middle Chiron from Moonlight coming back, and all of this really cool concept look, I was hoping for a really good sci-fi, and oh, it was just boring. Like, it's not really terrible, but it just looks so dull, and it just dragged off. Done. Some of the effects were really cool, the, the monsters were kind of cool, and the sound design worked overall, but our actors were giving nothing to do. They really had no character development, and we didn't care. That was the biggest problem. They did not connect us to any of these characters and make us care about them at all. So I just found myself to be really bored, and I thought that was a, a big letdown with a film of the talent that was involved here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I never saw that, but I heard it was disappointing yeah. from a lot of people. So, yes. <laughs> so my next one is I actually wasn't that excited about it because I didn't like the character designs from the beginning, but I can't help but have it in this list because I was, I always, you know, I'm rooting for Leica. I love Leica Studios and I love stop motion animation, but I just didn't respond to Missing Link. I thought that. Uh, that I, I didn't like the character designs. I didn't like the the triangle nose on Lionel. I didn't oh. like the I didn't like the pig nose on Susan. I didn't like uh, that. I don't know. I just really didn't like the way they designed the characters all throughout. Um, and I, I I did love just the animation as it flowed as they went, and I thought that was really great. And that's the best part about it. But I just didn't find it, it was funny. I felt like it just kind of all the tends to laugh just kind of lay there and it didn't work for me and I, I didn't like personally I know I'm in the minority on this but I didn't like Zach Galifianakis as Susan I felt like it would have been way funnier if it had been sort of a a more gruff and manly type of voice and then for him to have these sort of effeminate traits with a manly voice would have been really funny and this giant this giant uh, uh, character, sure. Sasquatch, whatever. And like, if you've gotten like Brad Garrett, I think that would have been perfect. And that would have been so funny to me. But as it was, I just found him kind of grating and just not my favorite. And I just didn't like the movie. I just didn't think it was interesting. I just didn't like the story. And I, I just, aside from the animation, it just wasn't my favorite. All right. That one, that one, I'm definitely on the opposite side. <laughs> Rachel on that one. Yeah. And I thought the whole thing, with the Emma Thompson Yeti was just like, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me. I didn't like it. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was disappointing. So what do you have next? The number two for me is Velvet Buzzsaw from Netflix. So I was obviously pumped for this film. Like any sort of weird horror film, especially when it's from the director of Nightcrawler, which I absolutely loved, and also starring Jake Gyllenhaal, who... I absolutely love, I'm, I'm on board, I am pumped. I actually can't remember the last time I really didn't like a Jake Gyllenhaal project. I wouldn't say that I really didn't like Velvet Buzzsaw either, but uh, I mean, my expectations were just like super high going in. I thought that first trailer looked awesome. 
Tony Collette coming off of Hereditary. It had all the recipes. Rene Russo back again, also from Nightcrawler. It had everything there for me to like, just be ready to absolutely adore this film. But uh, I think it wanted to say more than it actually said. That was my biggest problem when it came to Velvet Buzzsaw, is that it really is kind of a satire on high art while becoming that exact satire. As it goes through its emotions, it makes fun of people who indulge in all this expensive art and the super artsy stuff that doesn't make sense and they just inject their own stuff into it, blah, blah, blah. But it then becomes just that. It becomes like this piece that wants to be such high art and high concept and super style, but it really has like no substance under that. There are a few good kills. Jake Gyllenhaal is great as he always is. I mean, he was fantastic in the movie, mm -hmm. but it just didn't have enough substance under there. And I think Nightcrawler had that substance to really back mm -hmm. the film up. And it had that message of the like real creep factor. And this one just kind of like let me down on all fronts. So it was stylized kind of cool concept that was okay executed but it just kind of left me feeling meh yeah i mean i i thought i i gave it just barely fresh mm -hmm. uh, on ron tomatoes it was like five or five and a half out of ten uh just because i did think some of the kills were sort of creative and i did think it was funny enough yeah uh, it had enough laughs for me <laughs> but it's not great um so my final choice <laughs> is one that I really won't go into that much because everybody knows, uh, if you follow my channel. I was very disappointed by Shazam. I thought that uh, that I didn't like, that it felt to me like two movies that were being pushed together that didn't mesh well to me. And I felt like the tone just didn't work in the shifts of tone, the transitions, I didn't feel like worked very well. I didn't feel like you had the same person that was the uh, younger, version as the uh as the superhero version at all like i didn't see any of those same tendencies between the two in my opinion and i i so i just i didn't think the humor worked as far as the tone and i didn't think that the violence worked for sure and especially the scene in the boardroom i felt was very tonally just not in fitting with this family film that they set up and it's not the problem of it being necessarily violent I've seen movies that were more violent than that, but it was all about how you manage your tone within a film. And, uh, and uh, to me, it just didn't succeed in that. And so I, I found it very uncomfortable and I just wasn't enjoying the experience. And, uh, and I don't know, I just didn't, I didn't like it. It wasn't for me and everybody knows why. And, uh, and so, you know, I didn't go into that movie. I, I was expecting to love it because I love that great Levi. I love, you know, I, I love Flynn Rider so much, and uh, so I was expecting to love it, I didn't love it, and it's probably, especially with my life experience associated with it, it's probably my least favorite of all of the DC movies, just because I, now it's just so sour for me, uh, but, um, but yeah, I didn't care for it, I didn't think it was successful in doing what I was trying to do, and uh, so, yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> That's what, that was my opinion on that, so. <laughs> so I also have a superhero movie to rank in at number one. 
And mine is one that I referenced in our worst movies of the year list. Um, and the reason it didn't make that number three spot over there was so that I could feel that was another bad movie and mention this one here. And it's Hellboy. This movie. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I wasn't sold on the trailer. I'm going to admit that. However, Hellboy's design, I even bought a t-shirt with the new Hellboy with the like fire crown. Because it looks really cool. It's like such a cool, uh, just aesthetic. Plus, Hellboy's design is cool. We've waited all of these years for another Guillermo del Toro Hellboy, and obviously, we didn't get that. So it was like, okay, if you're not going to give us another del Toro um, film, at least give us something fun, at least maybe comparable, not as good, but still fun. No, they didn't. They gave us garbage. <laughs> I mean, this movie is bad. Talk about a tonal mess as well. It was really trying to aim for Deadpool status. It threw so many horrible, corny jokes in there. In between, like, chopping someone's head off in slow motion, like, skewering people on the street, and then they're cracking these, like, terrible, like, horrible jokes on the side. They had the effects. Oh, my gosh. For a 2019 major studio theatric release to look this bad for a comic book movie is shocking actually for it to be this hard it's bad dated video game looks in this film this weird thing they do with this spirit like this gross like algamation that leads up to like half of a body from these dead people that one of our characters is able to channel is disgusting and terrible <laughs> I, it's it's just horrible it's this plot is stupid uh Mila Jokovic is just terrible in this movie like hanging up in this generic horrible villain the only good thing is Hellboy himself I thought the actor did a good job and the, the practical effects on Hellboy looks good uh outside of that there is not much to redeem. And even with the bar that I set being like, hope it's kind of, I hope it's fun. And I, this way undershot that to be like the most disappointing experience I've had in the movie theaters this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see that. Yeah. No. Very glad. So <laughs> there you go. Well, let us know what has been the most surprising for you and what has been the most disappointing. Yeah. And uh, so try to keep your outrage to a minimum. <laughs> That's quite. <laughs> but put in the comment section, be nice, and let's talk about it. It'll be really fun. And so where can people find you? You can find me here on YouTube as well as Twitter and Instagram, all on LC Screen Talk. Great. You can find me Rachel's Reviews, all our social media, and our iTunes and YouTube. So give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. And thanks so much. Yeah. We did it. Bye. We did it. <laughs> Bye.